It's Saturday, February the 8th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Trump takes his revenge and Tijan Tiam resigns. First, the week in brief. President Donald Trump sacked the serving officials who had provided the most damaging testimony against him during his impeachment inquiry two days after his acquittal. Gordon Sondland, whom Mr. Trump had appointed as America's ambassador to the European Union, was recalled with immediate effect. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, the National Security Council's Ukraine expert, was escorted from the White House, asked to leave for telling the truth, his lawyer said. His twin brother was also fired from the NSC without explanation. Tijan Tiam resigned as the chief executive of Credit Suisse. The Swiss bank was rocked last year by a scandal in which a former star employee was followed and spied on. Mr Tiam said he knew nothing of this, but his relationship with his employers fractured after a second case of spying was uncovered. Thomas Gottstein, who runs the bank's domestic business, will take over the top job. America's jobs report suggested that the country's labor market was in rude health last month. Non-farm payrolls increased by 225,000 in January and wages were 3% higher year on year. America's unemployment rate, however, ticked up slightly from 3.5% to 3.6% as more people began to look for work. Larry Kudlow, the director of the National Economic Council under Mr Trump, claimed that Britain's decision not to completely ban Huawei from providing equipment for its 5G telecoms network would not stop a post-Brexit trade deal with America. The Trump administration has been pushing America's allies to shun Huawei's technology because of worries about spying by the Chinese state. Michael Bloomberg, who is seeking the Democratic nomination for president, received a boost. Richard Spencer, Donald Trump's former Secretary of the Navy, said that he was endorsing the former mayor of New York. Mr Spencer, who has supported Republican presidential candidates in the past, will be the first former Trump administration official to back a Democratic candidate in the 2020 presidential election. Heavy rains provided much-needed relief for Australia's fire-scarred eastern coast. A third of the 60 or so active fires in the state of New South Wales were put out and Sydney endured, or rather enjoyed, what may be its biggest downpour since 2002. Across the country, some 11 million hectares of land have been burned since September and 33 people have lost their lives. And the world's only scaly mammal, the pangolin, has been linked by Chinese scientists to the spread of the Wuhan coronavirus to humans. The animal, widely trafficked as a source of both meat and of scales for use in traditional medicine, may be the intermediate host between bats, in whom the virus is reckoned to have originated, and humans. And now, here's today's agenda. Flashback, the Oscars. The 92nd Academy Awards will be a curious hybrid. On the one hand, the ceremony on February 9th will reflect recent trends. Following campaigning by Joaquin Phoenix, the frontrunner for the Best Actor Award, the event's dining menu will be mostly plant-based. Netflix, an online streaming service which only started to make original feature films in 2015, has garnered more nominations than any traditional studio or distributor. And the long-standing custom of having a host has also been dispensed with for the second consecutive year. On the other hand, the awards will also look backwards. Few of the Best Picture nominees are set in the 21st century. 1917, a First World War drama, is the bookmaker's favourite to win the statuette. 
Film critics have accused the Academy of pandering to white male nostalgia, given the paucity of nominations for movies about and directed by women or people of colour. These criticisms are likely to dog the Oscars for the foreseeable future. Trying new things, romance novels. Boy meets girl. Boy and girl, after several stolen glances across the boardroom, or stables, or manor house dining table, engage in rumpy-pumpy, described in exquisite detail. Following a shocking revelation, they separate, before passionately reuniting and living happily ever after. Bodice rippers are often derided as smutty and formulaic, but that is far from the truth, as the shortlist for the Romantic Novel Awards in Britain, which was announced this week, attests. The nominated books cover subjects such as mental health, social media and bereavement. Many writers incorporate aspects of other genres. The love at the heart of some stories is platonic in nature. Novelists are producing more stories about LGBT and interracial relationships too, reflecting the interests of a younger and more diverse readership. While it is clear that sex still sells, Mills and Boone, a British publisher, sells a tome every five seconds, and the market in America is worth over a billion dollars a year, its fans want variety. Not lost in translation, Macbeth down under. This week in Perth, a Shakespeare play was performed entirely in an indigenous Australian language for the first time. Fewer than 250 people speak Noongar, a language that has been spoken in southwest Australia for the past 65,000 years, but Hecate, a new production from Yira Yakin, an Aboriginal arts organisation, retells Macbeth in the endangered tongue. Before colonisation began in 1788, Australia had 250 languages and 600 dialects. But now, thanks to draconian government policies of forced assimilation that banned Indigenous people from speaking their own languages, only 18 are spoken fluently across the generations. Little surprise, then, that Australia has been described as a graveyard for languages, with one study revealing it to be a place where languages die out faster than anywhere else. Lady Macbeth may lament, what's done cannot be undone, but this production suggests that things can always change. Out of the mouths of babes, toddlers exhibit altruism. Chimpanzees never share desirable food, but humans do even when it comes at a personal cost. Food sharing, therefore, is a distinctly human trait, and that has been borne out by new experiments reported this week in the journal Scientific Reports, which demonstrate that babies spontaneously help strangers without being talked to. Nearly 100 infants, all 19 months old, were tempted with fruits that they coveted, including strawberries, bananas and grapes. During experiments, a researcher would accidentally drop a piece of fruit within the baby's reach. When the researcher made no attempt to retrieve the fruit and gave no indication they wanted it, 4% of the babies returned it anyway. But when the researcher pretended to reach for the fruit unsuccessfully, simulating begging, 58% of the babies returned it. The babies even shared just before scheduled mealtimes when they were the hungriest. Despite gazing longingly at the treats, 38% still acted unselfishly. A life lesson, then, from the youngest among us. Touchdown again, America's new football league. Back in 2000, Vince McMahon, the president of World Wrestling Entertainment, launched a new American football tournament. 
Despite his promise that the XFL would not offer the pasteurised, homogenised pro football that the NFL wants to sell you, his dream died after a single season. Fans were unimpressed by buffoonish antics off the pitch and a lack of talent on it. This weekend, he tries again. The new eight-team league begins with the DC Defenders playing host to the Seattle Dragons. All teams have suitably aggressive names in America's capital. Tweaks to the rules replace dreary kicks with collision-inducing moves, and viewers will eavesdrop on microphone-clad coaches and players. Mr. McMahon's WWE wrestling empire has been body-slammed recently. He sacked two executives last week, and the company's revenues for the last quarter missed analysts' expectations. With the XFL, the wily impresario can ill afford to tap out for a second time. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Elizabeth Bishop, who was born on this day in 1911. The art of losing isn't hard to master. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.